Well, welcome to another episode of Use It or Lose It. We're into our sixth installment of this season. Um, we're into the semi-finals, so very much building down to the final countdown of the finals where we see the box take on hopefully the New Zealand All Blacks in their 100th game against each other. Um, it's a big welcome to a very familiar face to me, but not a very familiar voice to you guys. Um, Dave Shields. Um, Dave is the brawler, the bruster brawler from um, Bryanston up in Joburg. Um, probably has the best pedigree of rugby in terms of playing that we've had on the show, um, and that includes myself. Um, but we've got some interesting lineups to talk about today. Obviously, in the news, in the rugby news, has been a lot of fluttering on, on social media. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, Dave's experience in Japan and um, how he thought the Japanese took to rugby over there and the World Cup. Um, as well as there's some interesting platform, uh, Hip Host, which is a, is a great idea for rugby lovers around the world to join in and meet up with other rugby lovers from all over the globe. Um, so Dave, welcome to the show. Great to have you on board. Mark, the heartbreaker. It's crazy. It's crazy to see how far you guys have come, um, you know, from conception. This was just an idea a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, and now you're already on your sixth episode. That is incredible, man. Congratulations, first of all. Shot, Davey. Um, well, not all the boys are here today, um, so I'll just take that congrats yeah. on myself. Um, well done to Tom. Well done to Justin. Um, I have listened to their voices, and I do feel like they've got uh, some great banter, but really the, the driving force is, is with yourself, so, so kudos oh, to that. Thank you, my boy. Thanks. Um, so let's get into it straight away. Um, obviously been some big hype uh, regarding um, this Sebastian Valmahina um, quarterfinal Wales versus France. Uh, firstly, um, but Sebastian Valmahina, obviously France on the on the pump against uh, Wales, and a minute of madness, and he elbowed Wainwright in the face, uh, which accumulated in him getting red carded um, and sent off. Um, this then obviously sparked some. Uh, some controversy, not because of the red card. I think everyone would agree that that was a red card and and that's pretty fair play. But um, I think the big thing was what followed with Jaco Piper and um, him getting caught up with some Wales fans that were maybe a bit under the weather. Yeah, the Welsh fans. Um, and having a good time in Japan, like uh, we South Africans know how to do on a Friday night. Some brewski with the buds. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, unfortunately, he got caught up in the moment and he put an elbow out just like Valmawina and that got snapped. And the result is, is that World Rugby have now pulled him out of um, the semi-finals um, and possibly the final. And, you know, I think... Pretty much this is an overreaction to what's happening, but, you know, it's very much, um, you know, everyone's talking about how this is an overreaction from World Rugby. We know it's, it's going to be a reaction, but the, the, the main point is that you're in the public eye, and when you do something like this, it's always going to be offensive to someone. 
Um, it's very sure. much case in point here in South Africa. Um, you're always going to offend someone with something that you say and whether you take a stance on it. You being a social media analyst um, um, and a strategist in that sense, what do you kind of make of these, you know, this whole situation? It was very sad to, to see this massive controversy unlocked online today, especially because, um, from what I understand, he had reft his 50th international. And so he, you know, when it comes to refs and the, the kind of pressure that they face and that they're under consistently, you know, we, when we played Australia, I think, when was it, 2011, mm-hmm. and that ref, because of the terrible game that he had reft and never reft a game thereafter, uh, you know that that they just come in an incredible amounts of scrutiny, and so I think that um, on a daily and weekly and monthly basis throughout their careers, they're put under this immense strain, um, and so to see it all fall apart like this over something so silly that is off the field is really quite heartbreaking. But you're right, you know I think that leads us into the conversation as to how to handle yourself um, on and off the field because. Maybe he wasn't under the impression that they would even upload that picture to social media. Mm. And maybe he had had a couple of drinks himself. Mm. So is, think, it, is, it a, is it a point of always being gray and just not having any personality? I mean, is that what social media is now about? Is that what it's causing? Um, are yeah. we just all becoming you know, one individual? That's it. I mean, then you know, it leads to a world of uh, ones and zeros. And, and we, we lose our personality and our pizzazz because you know it's that 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 term called the panopticon we tend to then scrutinize ourselves and police ourselves when in fact we think the world's watching us and no one really is yeah um so so yeah i mean you can break this down in in a variety of ways i think being at the world cup you're there to do a job and that kind of trumps it all ultimately you're getting paid to be a referee at the biggest rugby and sporting tournament of many and so that's ultimately why you're in Japan, right? Then on top of that, you're taking a picture with fans and that's fine. But you must also understand that you were taking a picture with fans from a game that you had just refed. In which case, that team had now won based on the decision that you had made through which um, the, the Frenchman had obviously elbowed the Welsh person in the face. And so how do you, you can't actually justify it. Obviously, it was done in good jest. But there are so many factors leading up to this that really you should have, you should have caught on quite yeah. early. You know, you should have seen the warning signs. The, the sad thing for me is that rugby is a game of character. You know, essentially, it's, it's pretty much the closest thing to trench warfare. You're in dark, ugly places with sweaty men, <laughs> um, you know, trying to squeeze out a ball. Yeah, you know, a couple of and, balls And you really need big characters <laughs> in, the, in the game in order to pull you through. Um, you know, you, what springs to mind is, you know, Nigel Owens, the, the ref for the other semi-final, um, England and New Zealand. I mean, he's got a massive character and, he, you know, on a global stage, you need those big personalities. Um, and rugby is a game that's been made up by these personalities over the years. Um, so for me, it's quite a sad thing, and I think, I think world rugby, you know, should have maybe just turned a blind eye to it and said, look, you know, maybe just had a quiet word to him. But I think there are more pressing issues, you know, looking at the Pacific nations, the Fiji, Samoas, Tongas of the world. And, and what they're actually trying to do with those guys um, in terms of trying to get them elevated to top-tier status. 
that's probably more of a pressing issue. The other side of this whole thing is that Sebastian uh, Valmuina is only 28, and um, it's very sad that on Monday he announced his retirement. There was a considerable amount of backlash after he was red carded from um, French media and uh, French fans. And I mean, he posted a very obscure photo of him going to Japanese schools um, and visiting them. And that was his last photo and it was a collage kind of image. And um, I don't speak French, but what I've heard through the grapevine is that there were some very harsh and negative comments on that post. You know, totally out of context of the photo that was posted. But, you know, still a sad, sad state of affair that a guy who's human is now, you know, crucified for an action that he does impulsively on the field. Yes, it was, it could be classified as, as, as some sort of offense if he did it in a bar or a public, but you're in the heat of the moment, it's in the battle. Um, rugby is a contact sport and this kind of thing unfolded and it's just crazy to see how this guy's self-esteem has now been so affected that it's led him to retirement through uh, what I assume is social media sure well you know that goes back to um, his livelihood in general I think has taken a huge knock because ultimately this is how he's going to be remembered for the next 10 to 15 years if not forever yeah so, so that's a, that's a pretty tough one yeah you know what i think is though that he would be able to kind of um make it over this little hurdle that he's facing at the moment in his life and um hopefully he speaks to someone who's a bit sensible and can steer him on the right path you know um but yeah i mean that's been big news in social media everyone's kind of said that world rugby has been ridiculous but i do agree with you there's a certain decorum that you need to kind of act on and that goes for the person posting the photo as well as the person in the comments um, remember your words have some sort of action and 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 can lead to emotions down the line so yeah that's you know, a very important thing these people are human just as just as you imagine someone coming into your uh, business and saying Steve you're so shit at accounts um, and Steve granted he's terrible yeah. at accounts you yeah know, we hate him in accounts we'd rather move yeah, into no. marketing didn't didn't and <laughs> get rid of him <laughs> yeah completely um. and, but listen so I, I do think that um, you know in this day and age we are really a we're a, a generation that's literally offended by everything and I'm saying that from a complete liberal um, very far left side of the pecking order to which I have um a, a great affinity yeah and the the trouble is that you have keyboard warriors that have the sense of entitlement to say whatever and you know whenever they wish um to badmouth people that have come to prominence through countless of years of hard work and dedication and blood sweat and tears uh, only to be brought down by an avalanche of people that would otherwise never even take the chance should they have been given it um and that's what's really sad is that you've got a bunch of mediocre people telling potential greats that they are not allowed to be that great individual. And that's really sad. Um, and it's all thanks to technology and, you know, the current state of affairs where you, as a single person, can speak and can have an effect on someone who can see a message written by you. Whereas before that was never really possible. It was just that uh, cognitive dissonance between you and the screen. Now yeah. you have a one-on-one -on -one communication. Yeah, 100%. 
And then, you know, you've just come back from Japan. Um, obviously, a very exciting holiday for you as a, as a proud box supporter. Um, how did you feel your Japanese ex- rugby experience was? How did you feel how the the Japanese embraced the World Cup? Um, was, were they, did they, did as world rugby is making out to be was it a massive fuss for them or was it quite you know in the background pretty subtle jeez i mean i could go on about japan forever and a day yeah there was just so many nuances so many amazing experiences and like really little tidbits to take away from from the whole experience but a couple of things stood out for me i think that coming to tokyo specifically it's just i mean it's george jets and you know, living in the future and there's, <laughs> you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of them, particularly in Tokyo, yeah. um, all condensed into tiny confined spaces, but managing to optimize those spaces so that everything seems normal, fine and dandy. Uh, but it's great. Like, I, I don't know if the rugby culture is what it is, uh, or at least is what uh, the rugby fanfare says it is. Yeah, 65 million uh, viewers tuned in for the Japanese Bok game. That's crazy. That's a lot. That's a huge number. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, it, that's half their population, if you look at it. Um, so Was that a local number? Or was that in general? Or how, how does that work? Well, you know, it might have been cumulative out of some of the islands and things, but it was Japan, Japanese okay. as well, yeah. Um, so that's quite incredible. I don't know if it was the euphoria bubbling over from Ireland, winning against Ireland and Scotland. Just being on the trot, yeah. Um, but definitely it, it was quite a spectacle and, and you know maybe sure. the government was punting that kind of thing as well the yeah. first time they had reached the quarterfinals yeah. and uh they were yeah they were on the trot as you say so so my personal experience and takeaway from being in tokyo was that it was business as usual i think um from a city of that caliber you need to run things tight uh just like a business so for them, it was a case of if you're in the fan park or if you're in the media vicinity of a stadium, then sure, go all out, have that fanfare, let's have a good time. But really, when you're walking in the streets of Tokyo, um, there was a stark difference to, let's say, for instance, the 2010 Soccer World Cup in South Africa, where virtually the whole country shut down uh, for a month and a bit. So, yeah, I think maybe that was the, two, the parallel that I experienced and so have that feeling towards it. Sure. And then um, you obviously got to see a, a very crucial pool game. Um, sadly, one that South Africa lost against the All Blacks. But your experience of one, the stadium, um, uh, obviously the South African stadiums are very different to the rest of the world um, in terms of their setup being very kind of on top of the action. Um, whereas um, some other stadiums, I'm not too sure what Japan's like, but are set way back um, to kind of cram in with more seats um but also kind of how uh, the culture of watching rugby differs from from sa did you did you find any polar differences in in that experience sure lots to unpack there okay yeah. so the stadium itself was uh, we, we obviously watched that yokohama yeah and that's quite a big stadium comparable to the rest of them the way it's structured is such that you basically um the stadium leans back so when you're in the front seat, right at the front, uh, you, you don't go up, you go back into a more diagonal 
sense of the word, right? Okay. And so what's nice about that is that even because we were close to the top, but even though we were close to the top, we still had a great panoramic view because we were um, not so far back, right? Mm, okay. It just went up diagonally. So there was, it was a really beautiful um, layout through which we could watch the entire game and not have to worry about things like... Um, actually, Blind spots and things Yeah, like I was lucky enough to watch the um, Rugby World Cup a couple of games in 2007. I went on a school rugby tour. And one of the games was at the Millennium Stadium mm. in uh, Wales. So we sat up right at the top, and I promise you, you it was ridiculous. You, you, it, it looked like a bunch of uh, little match, match, uh, matchsticks running around on the field because you just couldn't make anything out. So this was a really, really fantastic experience. I think the Japanese are very, um, they're quite a reserved culture, very friendly, very excitable, but ultimately they're very uh, dignified. So there's a lot of decorum happening, whereas in South Africa, we've just got hairs for days. Yeah. And that actually emanated from us three being in there. There was no one in our immediate vicinity that uh, was from South Africa. A lot of uh, New Zealanders and, and even more so, funnily enough, Irish, Irishmen. Uh, plenty of Irishmen in that stadium and they were even at a point they were singing Irish songs so loud that it felt like you were at one of the derbies in Ireland. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but when we sang that national anthem, we physically had people come up to us and say, I got goosebumps hearing you guys sing that. Like you could just oh, wow. hear the passion. And the emotion, yeah. Yeah, there was so much emotion coming through it and that really got the, it got the whole evening just unfolding for us. Yeah, I'm, be- I'm betting that the boys had a big kick up, you know? Yeah, no, no, and oh, so let me tell you a quick story um, just before we move on to the next one. So uh, our friend Rob, who, who organized the, the tickets for us, he had an extra ticket to sell and we did so at the stadium, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> we were literally five to 10 meters away from a guy looking for a single ticket. He had just rocked up, he was an Irishman um, and he had already purchased a, a good couple of tickets before that to game, um, sorry, for games after. So he was just standing there saying, uh, ticket, anyone have a ticket for sale? Like, you know, in his Irish accent. Yeah, yeah. And we were saying, uh, we've got a ticket for sale, but we couldn't shout it because there were policemen everywhere. And I th- from what I understand, it's illegal. You can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not really ideal situation. So in, anyway, he ended up buying it. You needed, you need some, uh, some couple of yen, yen yeah, for, your, of for yen. your rands. Right? For the, the bierskis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but what was great was he came and sat by us. We ended up being best friends with him because the Irish are just honestly some of the happiest people I've ever met. He just got us completely smashed. He, he got us so drunk that we were <laughs> hobbling out of that place and we didn't spend a cent. And it was almost his way of saying thank you for buying a ticket from us. It's crazy. Right. They've just got the, the that's most, most world, awesome though. dispensation about them. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's a nice lead on because I mean, you've just started a very exciting initiative where you link, if you're a tourist and you're going to a new city, and um you you know in our day and age you kind of don't have leave at the same time of your as your mates if you're working in a in a corporate environment no, and sometimes rats, is what you're saying exactly and rats. sometimes you just want to go off and travel on your own and experience and immerse yourself in a in a city or a country um and what better way to link up with someone who is like-minded as yourself um and and they show you around and um, I just thought I'd bring it up because we've got the Lions um, tour in 2021 and also obviously because of the World Cup that's happening now um, and if you wanted to travel to Japan to catch the final um, you know what better way to link up with someone that is very like-minded obviously it hasn't been launched yet but hopefully in time for the Lions series 
Um, so yeah, give us a bit of a background about HitPost, when the launch is going to happen and um, tell us how you think it would be perfectly applied to the rugby community. Of course. Oh, thanks so much for, for featuring it. Greatly appreciate it. So HitPost came about when myself and my best friend were traveling through South America and we obviously budget was the order of the day. We were on a very tight shoestring budget and we had to couch surf as many places as we could. But the couch surfing uh, sometimes ended up a bit worse for wear because <laughs> we would realize that we were staying on this person's couch and we had virtually nothing in common with. We couldn't even speak to them. Sometimes they only spoke Spanish and our Spanish was very broken. So it was very difficult to have conversations and to get along with someone. So anyway, one thing led to another and I started doing iterations of this idea in my head around how could people from different countries meet where a local could tell a foreigner about things that they enjoy doing as a local. So in my mind, it made sense that the local would have to be very similar to what the foreigner is. So for instance, if someone's coming from Ireland to South Africa, uh, they would download the app, they would do a quick demographics test, a quick personality test, and a quick activities uh, like tick off, so that basically uh, as a local, you know what the activities they're looking to get up to. And we built like this algorithm in this app that allows people to connect. So there's a match, right? You get a match rating. And that match rating basically determines how similar you are to the person you're speaking to. And so when that person comes from Ireland down to South Africa, uh, Yanni and Clark match up because they got a 94% match rating. They both love rugby. And so uh, Clark can literally say to Yanni, Yanni, listen, I'm gonna be in, in Johannesburg on the 24th um, I see that the Lions are playing at Emirates Stadium. How, do you think it's a good idea to go? How do I get there? Where should I stay? And Yanni, obviously being a, a, an avid rugby fan, um, it's, like, it. it's like sick. We'll go to Ellis Park and then afterwards Colony Arms. Straight up. We're going to have a karaoke. Uh, you might cut your foot on a, you know, a broken glass or otherwise down a half a litre cane train and uh, maybe vomit on yourself. But yeah. it's going to be a good night. Uh, I can promise you it's going to be a good night. Yeah, yeah. So you that's can what send it is, Captain yeah. Sayers Maynard after that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be, that's going to be a, a incredible initiative. Um, for sporting tournaments all over the world but not just that there's, there's many other features and you know people wanting to travel and immerse themselves as i've said so that's awesome davy and well done for thinking up that cool little initiative man thanks man uh yeah no congratulations just yet uh the the hard work starts when you actually launch the thing so what's the plan there what dates are we looking at yeah so 15th, spot. 15th november is when we're going live with a soft launch in cape town so it's specifically limited to cape town because of the amazing tourism we've got going on here especially over the summer season and so once we've proven a case study then we're looking to roll out into other cities um uh, yeah across the world hopefully lovely awesome man Let's get into the quarterfinals quickly and just sum up what happened there. Obviously, New Zealand versus Ireland, um, and there was a pretty much an eight-try romp of Ireland. Um, New Zealand just proving a little bit too much for Ireland, I think, um, inside the pack. And just with their thinking, I just thought they they outthought Joe Smith's Irish side. Um, and obviously a sad way for Joe Smith, who's obviously retiring from his post as Irish coach. Who knows what next 
yeah, the future holds for him. But um, yeah, just a sad end for him and his a lot of his Irish team. Um, you know, a lot of their players will be retiring, and so um, I think they were number one going into the tournament. So it's quite sad to see them gone. Um, the next, um, but hold on. Sorry, I'm just going to interject there. So, what would you say for the Irish team? Because it's one thing to assume that New Zealand are obviously just the best in the world and first in their class. Yeah. But really, the Irish team didn't show up that day. No. So you know, we have to say, did they go into this with low confidence, or was New Zealand simply the better team? I think you know you've got to have a look at the side, and you know what the sad thing is about that side is is that maybe they peaked a year or two earlier um you know there's a picture of a roller coaster that springs to mind the roller coaster goes up and then it hits a precipice and then drops down and that's exactly what happened with um you know, um with uh, the irish team rory best is approaching 36 he's the hooker um they dropped devon toner because they thought he wasn't mobile enough and they brought in the south african jean klein jean klein didn't even play any major games in the world cup um and so there's two in the in the span already in the team. So they they got quite a lot of youth in that in that second row, um, and then you know their their flanks are also you know pretty much also on the aging side. Um, so it was quite sad to see you know the likes of um, Peter Romani, um, who's also kind of of age now. They beat the All Blacks back in twenty eighteen. And I thought that was Omani's best game. I thought he was one of the best flanks in the world at the time. But he just looked a bit off the pace um, against the likes of a Sevilla and a Kane and those kind of guys. Um, Sexton, you know, 35 playing fly half. That's uh, it's crazy. And a, yeah. and a quarter final against Richie Moanga, who's mm. maybe 25 or something. Um, you know, against that kind of pace that the All Blacks attack at and the ferocity that they... They hit the malls and rucks with. Um, it was always going to be, I think, a bridge too far for the Irish team. They just looked a little bit off the pace, as you say. Mm. Okay. Um, and that's, I think, down to, you know, the box did it in 2015. We took an aging pack. We took sure. an aging team through. Um, Amongst other things. <laughs> as well as in 2011, we took an aging pack. Sure. And, and that's, you know, kind of led to our downfall. Whereas Rassi, I think, you know, we don't want to get into the Rusty side of things too much, but I think he's built up a squad with youth and experience pretty well. Um, unfortunately for Ireland, they they bowed out. Wales and, box. And the next the next quarters was uh, England versus Australia, and I don't think anyone on their Super Bowl picks no. would have gone for Australia, but maybe Justin Gordon. <laughs> no, no picks, eh? Right. I don't know who. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one because between babyface assassin, Mister No Picks, I don't know. You know, whoever's listening to this, <laughs> please do not invite the mate that is chatty, happy go lucky, always down for years, but just doesn't watch rugby because he will not pick, and he will have to do fines, and sometimes he will argue about doing those fines. But trust us. Ladies and gentlemen, we were, we, were, we were man enough to get him to man up to do it. So, Rob, <laughs> if you're listening to this, we do love you. Justin, uh, yeah, I, this, those Hail Marys are not on your side today, my friend. I'm sorry to say. 
Yeah, but I think Australia pretty much outclassed. They went for a classic Aussie game plan where they were going to run it from wherever they could get it. Um, and the English pack just bruised them and battered them. Yeah. And then um, they were pretty ineffective with getting Karevi to run through the 10 channel of Owen Farrell and a wall of white dawned yeah. on Brute Australia yeah. like uh, the, the watchers of the wall from Lord uh-huh. of the Rings. Um, and um, not Lord of the Rings, uh, Game of Thrones. That's the one. And um, just suffocated them out of the game. Similarly, Japan versus South Africa. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been criticizing um, the fact that clerks kicking. Yes, maybe the execution of the kicks weren't the greatest, but it's a definitive, definitive game plan from Rassi that they will hand the ball back to the opposition, allow them to get into a vulnerable space, turn that ball over, and then strike inside the two quarters of the of the each 22 so when i mean two quarters i mean the 22 to halfway on either side of the pitch um because he allows cop blanche to his pivot um his playmakers in that in that zone they allow five plays or five phases to do whatever they want um and that's pretty much the game plan from the box is that they'll play within those areas um, and the 22 is a strike zone area they normally take a penalty and that's pretty much how they played and I, even though it was really tight towards the, f- the first half and they went in 5-3 I, had, I didn't have any doubts I, I knew that South Africa were going to blitz them in the, next, in the next half just because we looked in control even with 14 men um, and Are you saying we looked in control in the first half? We we were battling against the pace, but we we were absorbing a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, and the Japs never looked like they were going to try. I think that something yeah. to be said for that. We yeah. were we so listen. I mean, I was tearing my hair out with those fucking box kicks, bro. Uh, <laughs> because you know we always and um, like Dwayne Vermeulen said, you know Faf always he's always under scrutiny in the media because he's the scrum half and because. Um, you know, he, he's crucified for, for, for performing the way the coach informs him to perform, and he does it well. So, so we always bring him under fire, and especially on social media where we think we know better. Ultimately, we're in the semis, and there's a reason for it. I think that Japan, had, they were so good on, 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 that, on that running, on running those lines. The quick balls coming out of that team were just insane. We would never have kept up with that. Yeah. So if we could bash that brute force down, um, you know, with our forward pack... Turn that ball over. That's that. That was the game plan, and it worked for us. But saying that, you know, going into this these semis, what are your thoughts? I'm very nervous. Um, Wales have found a way of winning. Um, I think it might be 19 games on the trot that they've won. Unreal. Um, so they they they've got that winning culture, even though they haven't won really well. Um, they've got an incredible defence. Saying that we do too. Um, I also think the box haven't played that well yet. I don't Agreed. Think, they haven't hit their groove. But so has Wales. So it's a very interesting game. Um, as is All Blacks England. Um, quick little venture into the sides. Uh, at prop, you've got uh, Vunapola, uh, Jamie George at hooker. Carl Sinclair will be up against it in the scrum. Uh, last week, I thought he battled against uh, Scott Sio. Um, Itoje and Laws in the locks um, Curry and Underhill the Kamikaze twins as, as Eddie Jones likes to call them 
Vunipola, the Billy Vunipola, the brother of uh, Mako. Um, and then they've gone for George Ford, which kind of indicates that they, they're wanting to play um, a bit more of a game that is uh, spread throughout their back line. Um, they've got Johnny May, obviously, uh, Owen Farrell at 12, Manu Tunalangi, um, which means they're going to try him in the wider channels um, and try and expose the All Blacks out there, get the weaker shoulder. And then Elliot Daly makes up the fullback, which is a normal selection. On the All Black side, you've got Joe Moody, Cody Taylor, uh, Lulala, uh, Ritalik, Whitelock, Barrett, Surveyor. Um, South African fans will know these positions. Reed at 8th man, Aaron Smith at 9, Moanga at 10, Bridge at 11, um, Leonard Brown at, at centre, Goodhue at, at outside centre, Reese on the other wing, and uh, Bowden Barrett at fullback. So going for the double um, double playmaker in the back line, um, you know, in, in an effort to kind of curb the rush defence, uh, you're able to set your attack with two attacking lines as opposed to one um, with the double playmaker. So Bowden will be the second pivot in that all-backs attack, um, which makes it very difficult to rush defence again because essentially you're having to rush two attacking lines um, and you're going to have to time that perfectly. Um, in the South African side, um, sorry, we, no, I just blanked out there. I didn't know what did what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> what did yeah, I miss? You were talking. Even... There was a lot of jargon. You said a couple of names. You ran some some fields around me. I'm not quite sure. For, the, for, the, for the everyone, everyone that uh, Are we doesn't still talking rugby. For everyone that doesn't know, I, I went full Norse on Dave Jesus. Um, and. and if you if you like him, um, what I would suggest is is reading up on a great rugby website called Rugby Pass. It gives you all the breakdowns of 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 the stories in really layman's terms. Um, so puts it in really nice perspective for you. And um, there's like also rugby. a really cool Instagram page with pictures. So okay. it illustrates things to you as well. Ah, the social media. Uh, yeah, we go. Um, what a time it's to an app on the line where they put the pictures. Okay. <laughs> what? Um, mm, I've got to check this out. The box side, Wales haven't announced their side. This is kind of cloak and dagger that um, Warren Gatlin, the Wales coach, likes to do. Um, but pretty much an unchanged lineup uh, from the box for this week. A um, it's just the injury to Cheslin Colby. Mm. The big um, Spoon Corsi comes in mm. at 14, um, which I don't think we lose anything there. I think Spoo was teetering on making the starting lineup in any case, maybe for Mpimpi at the expense of Mpimpi. But, you know, great to have him. He's got a lethal sidestep, very strong finisher, great in the air. That's high balls in the air, taking the kicks, high kicks. Okay. Up is that similar to what they call a grabber? No, 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 no. no. I'm just kidding. Grabber is the one is in the name. Okay. All right. <laughs> so it's not a it's not a delicate uh, delicacy dish in found in Japan. Grabber. Yeah. Well, yeah, it could be. I mean, I I, I wouldn't know um, because. No, no, you're the I'm, one doing research for I the show. Don't come here with that. I haven't been in, <laughs> I haven't been to Japan, so yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. And then just some funnies from um, this week, obviously with the social media uh, buzz, and we've got Dave in here, so I just thought I'd get his thoughts on this little clip. Um, see if you can listen carefully. Oh, new. 
We've had a technical difficulty. Give us a second there. You guys are just fans with keyboards. Um, so someone's got to ask them some questions about, about what's going on. Um, yeah, well, the English media, as I said, one week ago I was going to get sacked. We couldn't play. So we, we deal with a completely different situation. So someone's got to do it, mate. He'll laugh. I'm sure he will. Yeah, so quite an interesting one from Eddie. Obviously saying that um, the English press put a huge amount of pressure on on him as a coach um, to kind of perform and um, saying that the New Zealand press are kind of uh, fans with keyboards. Oh, my word. That's so, awesome. Great way of just taking all the pressure off his team and diverting it onto the New Zealand press now to kind of ask harder questions putting of the their team yeah so. so actually to that uh when we were in japan uh, coming home from the game on the train i met this just massive looking new zealander he was a maori and he basically said to me he's like you know you guys played a great game and the, you know there were a couple of small minor mistakes and but but really you gave it your best shot and, and the whole time i was speaking to this dude i just thought the New Zealanders are honestly the most humble, humble nation when it comes. So, I don't know if it was you who told me. I think actually Rob, Babyface Assassin, he told me that of any national sports team uh, in the world, in, in world sport history, the New Zealanders have the highest win percentage. Yeah. Okay. So, so when he was speaking to me, this, this, this New Zealander... It was as if they had only won their first couple of games and they were going to just see how the rest of the World Cup unveils. Yeah, Unreal, man. They, 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 they really, they're just so genuine. Yeah. And then, obviously, the rebuttal to this is from Steve Hansen, the All Blacks coach. Um, so take a listen to this. Well, Giddy and I both know all fear and love and war. And there's nothing better in war than throw a wee distraction out. But, you know... You guys can't resist. Best clickbait in the world. Someone's spying on us. He didn't call it us. He's very deliberate in not doing that. He talked about it being somebody else. Probably the same bloke that photoed video us during the same time we were there. But everyone's jumped on it and he's been successful in getting the clickbait he wants. Yeah, so obviously the attention was then directly moved on to Hanson from, from Eddie Jones. So very clever from Eddie and very well handled by um, Steve Hanson, I thought, you know, uh, using some social media jargon as well, clickbait um, for an old Clash car. of the Titans. Hey, I mean, these guys are stalwarts. Yeah. yeah. And it's you can just tell, like, the experience, the age and the wisdom that is oozing off of those two. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's as paramount as the skin that's sagging under their eyelids. <laughs> So, yeah, best of luck to the both of them. I know yeah. that each going to give it their best shot. Um, and then on to the box versus V Wales. Um, I don't see too much changing in the in the Welsh lineup. They haven't named it as yet, but I think Josh Navidi, the eighth man, drops out for Ross Moriarty. Um, and um, that's obviously going to be a pretty, a pretty big blow for Wales, but I don't think... They lose too much in terms of Rosmir Moriarty's attacking play. Um, it's just that Navidi is such a strong defender. Um, Going to be a game of uh, two defences clashing, two of the best uh, defensive coaches in uh, Nibahoma and, um, 
you know, I forget the Welsh guy's name at the moment, but um, I definitely think it's going to be pretty much an all-out uh, bash, bash fest that game, and mm. it's going to be a lot of lot of kicking. Hopefully, South Africa are a bit more composed, composed yeah. under the high ball. Um, Wales are very good at that high ball game, especially Dan Bigger he does really well with his up and unders. Um, so it's going to be a very nervy game. Two two teams that have very um, similar styles, though. Mm. Uh, what's our what's our backline looking like? Is it changed at all? Just Spoo and Corsi. Comes Is that in, it? Comes in for Cheslin. I'm worried about that Vili eh? Yeah. Oak was seeing stars in the first half of that game. So let's see if he manages to bring himself back. Yeah. Because he's currently staying on uh, one of the other planets. I'm not sure if you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thinks he's currently in Hawaii on holiday. Yeah, my, my argument is the conservative approach is, is that you can't change too much now going into a semi-final. Like, if you wanted to change things and play around with those combinations, then the pool stages were the chance to do it. And if you'd seen, you know, if you'd seen something that was glaringly obvious, or like a Warren Gallant or... Um, Willemse being better or being more composed at that fullback position, then I'm sure Rassi would have gone with him. Mm. The moment he's earned our trust, so I think just who Rassi or Willemse? <laughs> okay, got so you. we'll just trust Rassi. Trust in Rassi. Yeah. We should get t-shirts made. That'd yeah. be cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, pumped up for this weekend. I literally can't wait. Um, if you're thinking about it, it's a it's a hundred and sixty minutes until Sia Kalisi holds that trophy uh, aloft his head brilliant Um, finish off um, Japan have now kind of been knocked out of the Rugby World Cup um, due to us sad end for them because I really was enjoying the spectacle that they created and the buzz in the World Cup Um, there's talks about them the Sunwolves which is their uh, club side effectively joining Super Rugby again after being kicked out initially um, and there's calls for Jap- Japan to join up with either the Six Nations or the Rugby Championship, which is South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, or Argentina. Um, my personal thoughts on it are that I just I think that that's too much travelling for a lot of those teams, um, and that they maybe should look at splitting this whole thing up and saying let's get a Pacific Nation side in to the Super Rugby side. To, to Super Rugby um, from all the islands and kind of create like a West Indies mm, like they have it for West yeah, Indies cricket that's a, cool, a great idea um, and then have that that team there and you can drive up a lot of exposure because they play an entertaining game of rugby fans will enjoy that and kick South Africa out of Super Rugby and ask South Africa to go and play in a similar time zone to the UK um, or France or whatever it is and all, most of our players even play over there anyway um, so why not join up with them and you then have it maybe you have it called the the Western Western Nations and the Eastern Nations Cup or something like that um, yeah. wow bro so what does that mean so that means so, so South like Africa the Western Nations play each other and then the Eastern Nations play each other exactly dude you yeah. just you just absolutely broke my mind right now yeah um, so I don't you, know where to go from here <laughs> <laughs> so South Africa England Scotland Ireland Wales Italy France um, will all play in a championship against each other and uh, Japan New Zealand um, 
it might be uh, like a West Indies Pacific Nations team that plays in a championship against Australia as well as New Zealand, Japan. And Argentina would feature. And Argentina. Yeah, that's hard as well. Yeah. Um, and they also have their Super Rugby tournament as well and they have a side for that as well. Mm. That to me makes a lot more sense. Um, apart from that, I'm not too sure what the best scenario is. But to me, that what limits the traveling. That limits the traveling. And... You know, I think that's the perfect way in which to get the kids back into stadiums, watching the games and things like that, because you create something new and exciting for them. Um, again, you've been interacting with this generation for far longer than, than I have, but how do you get the kids to the stadiums and how do you get them picking up rugby and with all the other entertainment distractions, how do you get Sure. The kids are all right. That's what I got to say. <laughs> Don't worry about the kids. They'll take care of themselves. You know, the thing is, uh, change is, is constant, right? We can't stop it. Yeah. And anyone that tries to stop it is going to get their fingers burned. Yeah. We need to adapt the game to what consumption habits have become. Yeah. You know, it's like the same as saying, um, just a quick anecdote. I was speaking to my brother's friend who was saying that um, his kids don't perform well at school from a reading and writing point of view, right? They can't get the cursive right. They're not that good actually with picking up a pen and actually, you know, planting the words on a piece of paper. And in the back of his mind, he's saying, what the hell are we doing letting kids read and like write, literally take a pen and write on a piece of paper. We're not preparing them for the next 10 to 15 years. Why are they writing? They're never going to have to write again in their, in their natural lives. Yeah. So I think the same applies to rugby and entertainment as a whole. If we can start featuring, I think a, a big first step was having the Avengers in South Africa feature as part of our local rugby portfolio. Mm. That definitely brought a huge amount of hype. A lot of people were not happy about it. But ultimately, um, if you look at the way that entertainment has crisscrossed into sports and vice versa, that's definitely the way we should be going, is, is actually getting kids to get excited uh, because they believe things like sport are supernatural and not just... Uh, yeah, not just a means to an end to keep yourself busy in the afternoons on a Thursday. Well, you already have got the Beast and, and uh, Tong and Thor and Dwayne Vermeulen, who looks like Thor. So, that know, he does. That he does. That that, 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 the crimson chin. I mean, yeah. it's unstoppable. Yeah. My big thing and my thought to leave you with, there's no just juice, so I'm going to drop this one on you, is that I think that in South Africa, the way to fix and get bigger audiences to the crowns is, is one, what I've said before, is to join up with Europe. Um, and the other is to put the unions, the rugby unions, say, for instance, like the KwaZulu-Natal Union or the, the Border Bulldogs Union, which is East London, is to put them up for tender. Um, and then whoever wins that tender gets a three-year period in which to turn things around and to show some sort of growth um, on that. It's the fairest thing possible. Um, and you can do it to companies or you can do it to... NGOs or whatever it want, you want to do, um, but at least giving more people a chance to kind of take proper administrative control over these rugby play, rugby unions and, um, and try and grow the game in that sense. I think our biggest problem in South Africa is we've got a lot of gravy cats um, in, in South African rugby, um, and I think that's what Saru should do. And that is a wrap. It's massive in Japan this weekend. Semi-finals. Dave's got a semi. And that's me. <laughs> that's all for you, baby. <laughs> Out of here. Let me take a selfie. Peace and love. <laughs>